Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that And welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kent Wyrock. I'm your host for the evening. It is Tuesday, July 19th, or excuse me, July 24th, 2018. And we're here to talk some fantasy football with you today. I am joined by Jen Smith, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada, as well as another guest on the show. Today we have Brandon Lee joining us. How are you doing today, Brandon? Fantastic. July 19th is my birthday, so I guess it just was a Freudian slip. Oh, I, happy you birthday. Know, yeah, happy, happy belated. belated birthday. I totally did that on purpose. Um, I know you did. I, I could say yeah. That's funny, Brandon. My birthday is actually this Thursday, so we are like almost, almost in the same. Oh, you're a Leo. I'm a Cancer. Mm-hmm. Right on the cusp. Love it. Love I know, it. Right? Mm-hmm. Brandon is very well known in the fantasy community. She is a uh, She's the co-founder of Her Fantasy Football. Um, although I'm understanding that that may have been shut down. What what happened with that, Brandon? Yeah, it did. I, it's okay. It's been five years. It, it's fantastic. It was great to work with my two sisters. It was awesome. We're just super busy, and it's a lot of, as you guys know, yes. it's a lot of work. And I don't think a lot of our listeners have any idea how much goes into, and especially for us, we're running a website and a newsletter and a this and a that. And, we, you know, when you pro- do everything from the ground up, it just takes a lot. And um, it's okay. It's good. Five years. I mean, a lot of TV shows don't last that long. Mm-hmm. That's very true. You have five seasons worth of uh, quality information on fantasy football there. So um, that was actually one of my favorite sites. So it's a bummer that that went down. Um, but you are you are still, I want to make sure you, you haven't quit this other job. You are still a radio host on SiriusXM though, right? Yes, yes, I do. I actually just filled in today on Fantasy Alarm. So I'm part of the Fantasy Alarm family. So I continue doing uh, SiriusXM as well. I just hosted with Jim Bowden, the you know former MLB GM, which is crazy. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, so I still do that. I was actually uh, one of the hosts of the FSTA draft that happened. That kind of kicks off the whole fantasy football season. So yes, yeah, still very involved there. Um, yeah, and working with Fantasy Alarm. And then I'm going to be writing also for Sportsline and CBS Sports. So yeah. Sweet. So we won't have to miss you too much. Right? Yeah, I'm still around. Okay. Yeah. My, my sisters won't be as much, but, you know, we all did the Scott Fishbowl. We're still doing the thing. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. How, how did your uh, Scott Fishbowl roster shape up? Is it looking pretty good? Are you yeah, happy with I thought, it? I, yeah, I, I am happy with it. I did some things that I wouldn't normally do. I think probably the biggest uh, action item or something that people wanted to discuss was that I did end up taking both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I am a born and raised Broncos fan. Uh, that was not why, though. I'm actually the most pessimistic Broncos fan ever, and I never have them on my teams, to be honest with you ever but they're so cheap this year and we got to the eighth round and there was emmanuel sanders a guy that we know can put up a thousand yards did it three years in a row prior to last year with trevor simeon with peyton manning when he was not really peyton manning so it's not even like he needs that great of quarterback play to be able to do it uh so i thought gosh case keenum if you look at the stats man not terrible way better than simeon so in the eighth round i couldn't i couldn't resist great value Love yeah it. the the Broncos have been going through a bit of a, a rough patch there as far as the QB situation. So you're going to get those wide receivers in the discount aisle for the time being. 
um, hopefully that'll pay off for you. So that's an issue. I haven't heard of anyone getting both of them yet. So that's kind of interesting. I like that maneuver. I almost stopped, but it's such a deep league. You have to get value, right? It's a different kind of league. I wouldn't normally have two wide receivers from the same team. That's a little dicey. But, you know, this league is just too weird. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going best available. It's just too deep of a league. And it's not like they haven't done it. Speaking of value. They haven't done it. I mean, that duo has done it in the past. So it's not like you don't have past precedents to give you a little bit of evidence as to why you might take a swing, especially when there's just so much value there. They're just dropping. DT included, right? Uh so. Real quick, I was going to say, speaking of value, actually, uh, Phil Watkins, the guy that does analytics, um, did some stuff with the ADP of the Scott Fishbowl. And from the fifth draft spot, I was actually the highest value drafter in the entire Scott Fishbowl. So I retweeted that and I kind of bragged a little bit. I don't know if that's going to end up working for me or not, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of cool to get that shout out on Twitter. Uh, so anyway, I'm done oh, bragging yeah. now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I think it's important that you also have a, a game plan going in because there are no trades. Uh, there's no kickers or defenses to, to, you know, boost those numbers anywhere. It is a very raw league, a very deep league. Also, the, the two quarterback thing is, is rough. There's a lot of weird scoring with the first downs and the heavy on the tight ends. There's just so many strategies. So I'm intrigued about how they even evaluated value because it was hard for me when I was drafting. It was like, what is this a value or am I crazy? Like, what's going on? Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to move on to the next part of the show. we got a few segments here for you. So uh, real quick, we're going to swing it actually over to Mr. Okada with that movie trailer style voice. He's going to read a review for us, and hopefully that person has let us know they sent this in, uh, and we'll get him an entry into the Listener League. But Matt Okada, you have the floor. All right, so this one is from Bear Ranger or something to that effect. Uh, and the subject is Easy Listening, five stars once again. And he says... Great new show with respectful hosts that still have diverse perspectives. I enjoy the fact that they don't ram their opinions down the listeners' ears as facts, but instead try to shed light on why they like who they like. It's only a few episodes old, but I find myself already excited for the new ones to drop. Aww. Aww. Awesome. Thank you. That's Thank nice. you. Actually, I thought this was like bear and gur. I don't know if that's how it was or not. I but thought no. that too, but I didn't know what the gur was, so I went with bear and gur. It's kind of a weird. Yeah, it's something like that. So I kind of like might the, have the noise it, the bear makes. Yeah. I kind of like the bear and gur. Kind of a. I do like <laughs> the gur for that reason. Yeah, it fits right? the bear. I like it. I like it. There Absolutely. It I love it. I got great news, guys. Oh, all right, we got some news to talk about. Uh, real quick, I think the biggest one we got to talk about is Josh Gordon. Uh, he started tweeting out some stuff the other day, and people got confused real quick, and it got real scary because he is a guy with a past uh, when it comes to uh, you know chemical and uh, addictive abuse and stuff like that. So, you know, he tweeted out something that he's not going to be at camp for the beginning, and he's going to be going to some kind of a treatment to continue to work on his own health. It has been reported by Adam Schefter that it was not a slip-up related. There is no suspension in the works. It is simply a preemptive strike, so to speak. So does this worry any of you guys? Do you, do you think this could be a relapse, or is it just like legitimately he's trying to be better? As the resident Josh Gordon truther, I'll jump in and say that I actually like this. Uh, it's something that I've used previously as an argument for kind of believing that he's 
battled and won against his demons for the most part because back a couple years ago when he finally got reinstated not this most recent season but prior to that before he took his really long sabbatical from the league if you will uh he was reinstated to come back and the week he was reinstated to come back he decided on his own accord to check himself into a rehab facility and try to get over what he knew he was still battling with uh and then finally last year he came back into the league um, and so this is seems to me to be another example of that, where there's no reason from any reports that we've seen so far that he needs to be uh, or has been forced to be away from camp or out of the NFL in any way, but he's choosing to be preemptive and have a an active plan about keeping himself on the right track. So personally, I like it. There was the one concerning thing that I did kind of pick up on was I believe the uh, the GM, John Dorsey's comment, or I think it was Dorsey, who says something to the effect of, we'll address it later, quote unquote. Um, so if there's anything there that is questionable, it could be found in, the, in that kind of outlook. But for me, I'm looking at it positively. Maybe that's just because I'm a Gordon truther and I'm biased. Yeah, you did kind <laughs> of start it with any. I'm a truther. <laughs> I know. So if anyone has another opinion, feel free to... To challenge that. Well, I think you're right. Yeah. It's like in the long term of it, like preventative, possibly for owners and dynasty that picked him up, et cetera. Right. But for redraft, especially with an offense like the Browns, who has a lot of moving pieces right now, including Tyrod Taylor coming in, Baker Mayfield, they're trying to like figure out all these new pieces, so many new players. And then we don't know how much time he's going to miss in developing that chemistry in training camp. So for me, that's the main issue is how much time is he going to miss? What does that mean to overall team chemistry? And what does that mean for the reps that the other guys are going to get when he's not there? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, JJ. And you kind of brought it up, too. He's um, He's got to connect and build chemistry with two quarterbacks because potentially Baker Mayfield is going to be out there at some point this season. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Okada and as well with you. It's awesome to see him taking control of his life and figuring that out. But from a football perspective, which is what we're here to talk about, uh, that is a little bit of a concern for me as well. Yeah, if nothing else, I'm glad he's doing it like from a human perspective. You know, it's I'm glad that someone's out there trying to get help. So that's important. Okay, just just to clarify, by the way, it was actually an NFL spokesman, Brian McCarthy, who said we will address the matter at the appropriate time. And the NFL also did say there's no suspension coming or anything like that. So solid. I will say though, um, so one of the things that I like to always say is that I'm someone who puts things in context. So I don't like just stats. I like context so um josh gordon's big season was a lot of years ago and he's had a lot of wear and tear emotionally physically in life since then and i think it's also okay to respectfully say i'm concerned about that for his professional career um and that i think i also don't want to put too much pressure on him being the number 39 overall pick in fantasy right now is absurd i i think that's absurd because that's putting too you are unfairly making putting him in these expectations that just are not realistic i felt this way about martavis bryant last season i was like coming back to the nfl is an incredibly difficult thing to do especially if you're someone who has these sort of issues so i cheer for him i think i'm one of those people that actually 
I cheer for him and I feel for him more on like the off the field thing than on the field where I feel like I don't want to seem insensitive by saying on the field I have real problems with this uh, but I do want to say off the field I'm all about it please get help he's still gonna be amazing in the games where he's amazing but is he gonna be able to play 16 games straight being the number one wide receiver when Jarvis Landry who frankly is one of the best wide receivers in our modern era is on this team now I don't know I think that's a, that's a big expectation. I was going to say, and they're moving Landry outside. I just saw that today, that he's not going to be playing so much slot as he is outside for them, and I thought that was interesting. But That's dumb. That's, yeah, yeah, I I know. Know. that's a bad that. coaching I don't, decision. I don't agree with that either. That'll be five minutes. I mean, it's huge action, so would I think we'd be surprised if it uh, wasn't dumb. Uh, not already. <laughs> Let's throw a wrap on Josh Gordon, and we'll go ahead and move on through the rest of this news here. Uh, up next, this is a, a big contract, a very important contract. Jo- uh, Todd Gurley got four years, $60 million, with 45 guaranteed at signing. That is a massive contract. And now I don't think that that there's really anything about Gurley here that matters as far as you know fantasy relevance this year. I think it I think it more so affects Le'Veon Bell and that he's still holding out for his contract and he could see that money. And I know I saw him he made a tweet today and he was like, Yeah, Todd, go get it, or something like that. And he's he's just like eating it up and he loves that, you know, running backs are getting money because now it just helps his argument and you know could could lead to something down the road. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think Lev Bell is was foolish for passing on what he did uh, just a few days ago or a week ago, whatever it was. But um, I agree, it kind of does, quote-unquote, reset the market. But it also might not because there's a ton of other free agents next year at the running back position. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, but I know Mark Ingram's one. Tevin uh, Coleman. Others. Tevin Coleman, exactly. Um, so, you know, there's going to be cheaper options. I, I'm not sure that he gets what Todd got given that he passed on a deal that was even better. And is older with a lot more wear on his yeah. tires. Yeah. No, it I mean, this is this is just continuation of Bell Watch, really, is all it is. Gurley's gonna be girly, you know. They're both top four picks right now, depending on how you look at, you know, those guys and your your scoring settings. But that's really all I had about about that situation. Uh up next, real quick, we got a little, you know, nugget of news on Lamar Jackson. Apparently, he is being reported as ahead of the curve by the Ravens' offensive coordinator. And also, uh, recently, John Harbaugh just said Lamar Jackson will play one way or another. And that means either at quarterback or apparently wide receiver he's lined up. In, in some situations, so I know it's what. Yeah, they might be He's doing up at wide two, receiver. They might be doing two quarterback sets. I'm sure they're going to try oh and get tricky gosh. with it or something. It's crazy. So I don't know what they're doing, but Harbaugh actually made a joke in apparently in that interview that sometimes Flacco would go wide and Jackson would throw <laughs> him a pass because he's tall, which was just stupid. But honestly, that's the bigger part of the news to me, and it bothers me because I don't want to see them trying to put Jackson into a wide receiver role like this, like happens so often to these speedy running quarterbacks. I want to see them trying to develop him as a passer. So I'm not a fan of this news personally. I'm just picturing Joe Flacco lining up a wide receiver, and it's an ugly image that I can oh, knock it out of my hideous. head. I'm just picturing Joe Flacco oh, laughing at Tom this Brady. idea. Like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you thought you were going to light a fire under my butt. Let's just put him out at a wide receiver so I can throw to him <laughs> uh, instead of stepping up my own game. You know what I mean? So, oof. 
Well, there were people, analysts, that thought that he should instead go into oh, the yeah. draft as a wide receiver. And that was so offensive. And I am kind of disturbed that they would even bring back that narrative because it was offensive at that time. It's offensive now. It's especially offensive considering he's doing so well at quarterback. If you don't have Joe Flacco confident enough to deal with that, that's your problem, not Lamar Jackson's. Mm-hmm. And to go from and we just Preach. saw. Go ahead, Kent. I was going to say, Joe Flacco, uh, we just saw that thing that Okada posted on Twitter the other day about how since he's been paid, he's just been basically the worst at every single stat. Or uh, maybe, do you remember what it was, Okada? He, it was just I awful. Don't. Oh, I mean, I it, watch football. So yeah, exactly. It. Anyone who's <laughs> seen Joe totally, Flacco yeah, we can make a comment on that. knows that he's not very good. Um no, but I mean, yeah. if you if you if you look at any of the stats, you're correct, and and especially at the beginning of the last of the first half of last season, he was literally at the bottom of every single stat line, even but below guys like Deshaun Kaiser and whatnot. So, um, you know, but listen, you can make stats say anything, so I don't want to get too over the the moon on that. But um, the, Lamar Jackson's a very talented quarterback. You know, he was a Heisman Trophy winner for a reason. I thought he was a fantastic prospect. He's a wild card. You know, he's not the traditional quarterback, but we've seen non-traditional quarterbacks do really well. Cam Newton being one. uh, Russell Wilson being one. Who, by the way, threw the most passing touchdowns last season in the National Football League. The running quarterback. So maybe we need to stop defining these guys before they've even had a chance. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for Lamar Jackson's career arc, and I want to watch it unfold, but... It might it might take Joe Flacco leaving before anything legitimate starts to happen. So, uh, onto this last little bit of note here. Uh, I don't think it's really much. It's kind of like coach speak, but apparently Devontae Booker is expected to be the Week One starter for running back uh, for the Denver Broncos this year. You know they drafted Royce Freeman, and it's you know it's camp talk. I don't think there's really much to this, but I thought I'd throw it on there just to give everyone like a litmus test on their backfield situation right now. Yeah, no, I think this is kind of expected just because he wasn't a Freeman that is wasn't like a first round pick. So he's not going to even sometimes with the first or second round picks, they'll say, oh, he has to work and we'll maybe see if this other guy is going to start a top step chart and he has to make, you know, earn his job with Freeman being a little lower in the draft. That's not too surprising for me, but I do not expect Booker to hold this job. I've written articles about the fact that he's incredibly inefficient and Freeman is a much better looking back. And so. I, I just call this false and move on. Do you guys drop him? John always said he's going to be the stud. Like draft I mean, uh, Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, I'm sorry. Remember Peyton Barber is going to beat out Ronald Jones. Chris Carson's yep. going to beat out Rashad Penny. I am sure. Stop it. I'm <laughs> taking them all in the fourth and fifth. Yeah. All right. Well, let's push on ahead. The, the news here wasn't too crazy today. And, uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, some sleepers, uh, both at the quarterback and at the tight end end position so uh before we actually get rolling here i don't you know i had a little game for uh the running backs i i have some trivia here for you it's not as elaborate of a game this time but real quick i'm gonna get some guesses from all you guys do you know over the last five years so we're gonna start with tight ends real quick over the last five years what percentage of the top five tight ends were drafted as top five tight ends Everyone give me a number real quick. Percentage. Last five years. 22%. I'm going to say 45. I was going to say 48. I thought it was higher. The top five. 60. Well, guess what? Jen Jen nailed it. 48%. Ooh. Congratulations, well, I did horrible Jen. last week. That is such redemption. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. Oh, big, I was ashamed. I big was, time I was redemption. Ashamed. Okay. And actually, 
every single year it was either two or three. There was never less than two or more than three in the top five being drafted as top five. So, mm. you know, there's definitely inconsistency there. There's definitely sleepers every single year. And even though last year was pretty gross in the tight end position, I think that there's still uh, there's still value to be had this year. I, f- I feel like it's better this year. But moving on to quarterbacks, I have a kind of a similar question. I'm going to tweak it a little bit. Um, in the last five years, what percentage of top 12 quarterbacks were drafted as top 12 quarterbacks? So, again, we're looking for a percentage. 22 percent 35 one dollar bob i'm gonna 35 percent i'll go i'll go like 20 42 i I was waiting for the one dollar bob joke price is right style (laughs) but uh no actually this one this one is a little bit higher i was a little bit shocked it's 55 percent so more quarterbacks drafted in the top 12 as a quarterback one end up as a quarterback one at the end of the year so Again, but twelve there's, there's is a variation. really wide range. Right, you did give us a little cushion there. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Yep. QB one. Because I bet the top five isn't. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I I should have considered that, but it's a I game. didn't, and I didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> no, you're <laughs> okay. you should no, have. no, 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 no. It's fine. What a jerk. Stop <laughs> with this girl. Gosh, get her out of here. Sorry. Wait, hold on. That's where's, my analytic where's, brain. Where's the dump button for Brandon? We gotta <laughs> yeah. get her off here. This is basically Kent trying to stump us, basically. From yeah. week to week. Trying to stump us. Alright, well <laughs> on that note, let's jump into <laughs> some sleepers. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. You know that break in between <laughs> the yeah is so long, I but it just didn't feel as long it. when I put it on I there. The but Anyway, I love me some Dumb and Dumber quotes, so I had to throw it in. But, uh, Brandon, we're going to start off with you. We're going we're gonna to start on our quarterback sleepers, and I know that this is someone that you've talked about a little bit on Twitter, but go ahead and tell us who you think is going to be a good late-round quarterback this year that could return some value. Yeah, you know, I said earlier in the show that I did uh, radio with Jim Bowden today, and he's a Deshaun Watson in the fifth kind of guy. And he makes fun of me for taking my quarterbacks in the 30th round. She's right. That's <laughs> what I do. So normally I love my Blake Bortles, my Case Keatums. I would love to talk about them. But I do think like legitimately that Alex Smith has about a 90% chance of being a top 12 quarterback this year. Like I don't, I don't even think it's like a hot take. Uh, I think that he uh, is going to fit great into the, the Gruden system over there in Washington. Uh, also, Alex Smith, uh, Scott Barrett actually of Pro Football Focus did this great um, chart that basically was the uh, career passer rating for every quarterback as to different positions that they target. So it was like running backs, uh, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, tight end, what have you. And Alex Smith had the very highest complete uh, passer rating in the National Football League when targeting running backs. What does he have? He has Chris Thompson sitting right there. The guy is back. He's healthy. He's amazing. Also, in case we want to talk about Duncan Dink and blah, 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 he stinks. Uh, Well, you know what? He had the best completion percentage of any quarterback in the National Football League last year of any passes over 20 yards downfield. It was not a fluke. He was incredibly accurate. It was unbelievable. Also, zero interceptions at that distance as well. Now he has Paul Richardson, and he's not committed to anyone on 
on this team. I actually think Paul Richardson's going to be the guy over Josh Doxson. I love Jamison Crowder there because obviously he's going to do a little bit of that dink and dunk. But he also has, if there's Jordan Reed, but he also has played with Vernon Davis before. So who cares if Jordan Reed's healthy or not? I think there's just too much going on in this offense that is all about Alex Smith. And no one is drafting him that way. You can take him before your kicker, and you should. Yeah, and I don't know if you even touched on this, Brandon, but I, I I do like that take. And I like the fact that he adds rushing ability, which no one talks about. He he definitely pads the stats on the ground, too. So um, if people are concerned about that and concerned about last year being a fluke, let's just remember um, the guy runs and he, he makes a count. So for sure, I agree uh, 100%. I think he's a value this year. Okay, so I have to say I'm not on board. I kind of peg Alex Smith into the Matt Ryan of last year. I think I've said this before, situation where they have an outlier year that they then follow up with back to their normal selves. So I, I, I'm i not a huge fan, but having said that, I did see a little uh, uh, graphic from Pro Football Focus today that I saw was in, thought was interesting, which is Alex Smith's percentage of deep passes by season over the past four seasons, starting in 14, went from 5.2% to 8.5% to 9.4% to 12.3% last year. So they're... Certainly, I think it was fair in the past to peg this narrative onto him of he is a dink and dunker, but for some reason, he's changing that. over. It's a four-season trend, so we'll see if it continues in Washington. If it does, you uh, you might be head right on there. Does anybody have Vernon Davis as their sleeper for tight end tonight? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. No, but I have him here. as my handcuff. <laughs> my handcuff. I'm nice. trying to just... I felt like I was too close to monologuing, so I just want everyone else to share. I was too close. <laughs> well, you have to sell your guy. It's a fine line, right? You got to sell your guy, but you don't want to dominate, fine line. right? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you pair one of those guys. Uh, listen, I'm doing this a lot, where I'm pairing Alex Smith with Blake Bortles, Case Keenum with, with Alex Smith, you know, what have you. Uh, these really, really, really low guys. And then you just play the matchups. I'm not saying that oh, yeah. he needs to be, like, your super stud because you're taking him before your kicker. But he's going to have those big weeks, and that's when I want him. Mm-hmm. I took Andrew Luck last Brayden. season and got hosed. Obviously, he didn't come back. I streamed the entire year. Goff was amazing. I got a couple other guys. Bortles was on one of them as well and made it through and made it to playoffs and got third, I think, in that league. So you're absolutely right. You can take a shot at these guys, especially late. You can pair them up. You can stream. And you can, you know, spend your draft capital on the other positions where the tiers, you know, you can get them sooner and get better guys. So I'm with Brandon on this one. 100%. And, uh, you know, that's that's the thing is these late guys, it's they're sleepers for a reason. They have a chance to be, you know, good return on value. But if if they're not, they're extremely low risk and and it's basically no investment at all. So, uh Anyway, let's let's swing it over to let's go to Okada. Okada, do you have a quarterback sleeper this year that you are interested in? I do, Kent or Kenneth, as we learned. My quarterback sleeper for 2018 is Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. And here is my reasoning. First of all, as a rookie, as you all may remember, he finishes a number six fantasy quarterback last year. For the second half of the year, and I think most people just think it was for the full year because it was so bad for the second half that their minds are altered somehow. But he still finished as the number 11 fantasy quarterback overall. And for some reason, he's going as the QB 19 right now. Now, to be fair, I think a lot of that reason is his receiving core and the fact that he lost Witten and Bryant. But he was 
awful targeting Des Bryant last year. It was not going well at all. In fact, it's probably a large part of the reason that things looked so bad on his stats for the second part of the year. And he's got a lot of guys. Um, they may not be wide receiver ones for fantasy, but I think they're good enough to catch enough balls to make him reliable as a fantasy option. But that's all kind of background stuff. So here's the big thing, okay? The Ezekiel Elliott splits. If you go to, there's a great site called Rotoviz, and you can put in these splits where you set certain trends on one half and then the opposite trend on the other half, and you look at the difference. Here are the splits for Dak Prescott with and without Ezekiel Elliott in the lineup over his entire career. Passing yards with Zeke, 231 per game without 169. Passing touchdowns with Zeke, 1.6 per game without 0.71. Fantasy points, 23.2 with Zeke, 13.65 without Zeke. I'm not that great at math, but both of those numbers end in three, so I think that means 10 points difference. That is a huge difference that you see in Dak Prescott's numbers when Zeke is on the field. Obviously, last year, he was suspended. How bad was that? I'll tell you. Through week nine, okay, and Zeke started serving his suspension in week 10, through week nine, Prescott was the number three QB in fantasy on a per-game basis. And then after that, when Zeke was out for six games, he plummeted. Uh, meanwhile, his O-line was also having some issues. An O-line that many believe last year was one of the best in the league, and most still believe can be. Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the number two O-line going into this season. They had some injuries, uh, they had some shifting, and it, it was kind of a little bit of a mess. But if everything comes back to normal, par for the course, they are one of the best O-lines in the league. Pro Bowlers all over the place. So... I don't understand how he's getting drafted as QB 19 because I think his floor is probably QB 15, but I think it's much more likely he finishes somewhere in between his rookie season of sixth and last season of 11th, somewhere in that maybe eight to nine range, which means he's a huge value. So I think my biggest concern is that he kind of regressed a little bit, you know, negatively as a passer last year compared to year one in the league. Uh, He threw 13 interceptions versus four that first year and had about 20 yards less per game. He he did approximately the same rushing line. He had six rushing touchdowns both years. But if he has a season where he just doesn't get those rushing touchdowns and Zeke happens to get them all, you're, you're talking about like a quarterback 20 on the season. And I think that that's something that is concerning. And having those rushing, rushing touchdowns, especially in like a four-point passing TD league, those rushing touchdowns are worth a little bit more. So if you're without those, he's going to be really spiky, and you're going to have uh, those weeks where he only gets you like 10 points, and that's not something that I think is reliable. I think he has the potential to end the season as like a quarterback, you know, 12 or so, but I don't know if I'm going to say he's in my top 12 every week prediction-wise. See, I kind of see that rushing is giving him the floor. So maybe we're on different sides of the same coin here, but... He's going to get rushing yards, and he's scored a lot of those touchdowns with Zeke in, as we can see from the fantasy point split. So, I don't know. I don't. I like the rushing. Well, you need Michael Gallup to be the guy, because Alan Hearns is not a wide receiver one. So, I don't I don't know Ooh. what's going to happen there. I mean. the, them's fighting words for Jen. She likes <laughs> I was going to say, we have, Jen, go we ahead, Jen, Hearn, go ahead. We have some Hearns lovers <laughs> on this show, so... Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't, I mean, the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy. He wasn't even wide receiver one when he had wide receiver one-ish numbers. 
Um, you know, I, the guy hasn't gone over 500 yards or scored more than three touchdowns in the last two seasons. Uh, he hasn't been able to play more than 11 games. So they're really going to need to have someone else there just to draw coverage. Even it's got to be Michael Gallup. It can't be Terrence Williams and Des Bryant. The whole problem is that he, he's all about the contested catches, right? He's going to win the jump ball. Dak Prescott hates throwing into coverage. So it was the yeah. worst combination in history because then Des <laughs> couldn't be good either, right? Because that's Des's game is to win those contested catches. And then Dak Prescott's like, I don't throw interceptions, so I won't do this. And then the coach is like, you have to because otherwise we can't use the guy because he's always covered. It was just a nightmare. Oof. Yeah. Well, it you know, speaking of quarterbacks that have to rely on running because they're bad quarterbacks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're going to swing it over to Betts' quarterback sleeper for this year. So, uh, Betts, give, give us the lowdown. What a setup. Kent, that was, that was an excellent transition. That was beautiful. You, just, uh, you really set him up there, Kent. <laughs> yeah, now that we're all excited about this guy, uh, if you've listened to our last episode, episode 10 with Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers, which was a great episode, uh, we talked about our hot takes. So if you missed that, please go back and listen. I'm not going to repeat kind of everything I said because I'm going to bring up the same guy. But my hot take, and I'm not sure that I would put money on this, but I think that he has the capability to do this kind of week in and week out. It's Tyrod Taylor finishing some weeks inside the top 12. And so he's going to be a great streaming option, at least early on in the season, um, if the Browns are a playoff contender, which, you know, for the first 10 or so games, they probably will at least be around 500 or be in the hunt for a wildcard position. And so if that's the case, everyone's very excited to see Baker Mayfield, myself included, but I'm not convinced that it comes as early uh, as we all think it might. So if Tyrod's still the starter there, which he's going to be week one, and he's got all these amazing weapons, I mean, we we talk about this discrepancy all the time on on the pod. Uh, How are we valuing all of these pass catchers in Josh Gordon and Tyrod uh, excuse me, uh, Jarvis Landry, almost said Tyrod Taylor, uh, Duke Johnson. I mean, he's got weapons, and if they're all going to be great, isn't Tyrod too? And so I'm not saying that I'm I'm booking him as a, a quarterback one for this year or anything um, too bold, but I think that there's going to be weeks where he's very usable, and as long as he's the starter, uh, he's an immense value this year, and you can, you can get him off waivers in your draft. He's pretty much going undrafted. So I love him as a streaming option. I think that... Uh, the values there. And I think that as a sleeper, uh, no one's talking about this guy just because everyone's ready for Baker Mayfield to take over. And I'm not sure it happens so soon. Yes, I am. I am so ready for Baker Mayfield. He has been <laughs> one of my favorite quarterbacks than, that I've scouted in the, in the last couple of years. And, and a lot of people think that he won't start because, you know, they're like film versus analytics and they have to really, you know, press, press back against that. But I think that he actually looks good on tape. And I think that he's much better of a passer than Tyrod Taylor is. So, I don't know why they would wait to start playing him. This is a team that has been trying to rebuild for so long that eventually they should let it come to fruition. I think Baker is the final piece uh, in that puzzle, or at least one of the final pieces. So, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think Tyrod starts the whole year, if I'm being honest. Kent, how many how many yeah, no. games? Like, how many games do you think Tyrod will start before your Baker takes over? Like, I feel like this is a bad right now. I was just looking at the schedule, and it, it, week five, six, and seven are kind of a rough um, stretch for them. They got the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Buccaneers, who are all pretty decent, like secondary defenses uh, that can ball hawk pretty well. So if if Tyra goes through a rough stretch there, I I would I'm surprised, or I would be surprised if they wait until like 
later in the season to play Baker. They'll just say, no, screw it. We're gonna we're not gonna make it to the playoffs. Let's just get Baker out there, get him his reps, and we'll, you know, we'll finish this rebuild. For sure. I mean, I'm like I said, I totally agree that at some point Baker will probably see the field once the Browns drop out of contention. But if it doesn't happen as soon as everyone thinks so, I mean, why wouldn't they just keep riding Tyrod and give that that fan base in that city a little hope to see if they can squeak out a, a playoff berth? Um, I just think that you know the Browns are a, an organization that obviously we talk about a lot, and we all <laughs> we all give these logical explanations of why they should do what they do, but. They don't do that. And so, Kent, your explanation is very logical, which means they will not do it, which means uh, Tyrod will be on the field. You are totally right. I I, I concede you're, you're correct there. As a Steelers fan, I am not going to refute that point. So I'm with you on that one. Also, also the good one news, little th- oh, go ahead. I was going to say oh, go the um, good news is that they can use the same playbook. They actually have very similar skill sets in the fact that they use their legs. They don't do a lot of turnovers. Both of them are known for their accuracy in terms of not turning over the ball. Not completions for Tyrod, but definitely he doesn't turn over the ball. He has the best touchdown-to-interception ratio just behind Tom Brady in the National Football League. So um, that's the thing. I mean, if we're waiting for him to mess up, he doesn't really do that much. I mean, that's what's really a little weird about it is that he's not the reason why the Bills ever lost a game. It was the Bills. He's the reason they they got to the playoffs, basically, (laughs) right? Oh, yeah, without him. Right? I mean, that's what we're saying. I think he's going to be one of the waiver targets at the beginning of the season if things go well, that people are clamoring all over uh, to snag and are kind of like, ooh, I don't want to spend draft capital on you, but I know you're probably going to be somebody, if if you're successful, I'm probably going to miss out on the waivers. Like, I'm going to be upset about it. Right? Yeah, and let me... I was going to say, and let me be clear, like, it's totally cool to draft Tyrod and start him early in the season. I'm just saying you you might have to drop him when Baker, you know, ends up getting the job. So be ready to hit the waivers. That's, yeah, and in regards really to that, saying. It, one thing to keep in mind with all these guys, so I'll just throw it in, is kind of strategy between 1QB and 2QB or Superflex leagues. It can be slightly different, and this uh, particular episode can be especially useful for 2QB leagues in general because we're talking about guys who you are going to be started somewhere, so you're going to want them. But Tyrod is, uh, I think, a guy who's much more viable in a 1QB league because I also expect him at some point to get replaced, even if that's really late in the season. And I do really like uh, taking Tyrod for the first however many games he does play. I'm all aboard with bets on that. But in a 2QB league, if you're going to take Tyrod, it means you basically have to take Baker or another QB that you hope will be playing in that later half of the season. So... Oh, yeah, yeah, if you can get him. So, that's actually a really nice combo because you got Winston sliding right back in if you can get Tyrod late enough. Although I've seen him getting oh, up there a little bit in ADP. I don't know, Betts, if you pulled that bit, up. Yeah, yeah I, the last I looked today um, on Fantasy Football Calculator, he was being targeted in the late 14th round. So for some leagues, undrafted, and some leagues taken as a late-round flyer. All right, well, let's swing it over to Jen. We're going to hear about her quarterback sleeper for this year, and then I will go ahead and wrap up after that. So go ahead, Jen. Okay. I don't think this will surprise anybody. Um, I was going to go Eli, but I've talked so much about him that I'm just not going to do that. And so I'm talking about Marcus. Now, I want to say this right. I actually looked it up, and I played a video of saying his own name because I got so sick of saying it wrong. And I'm like, am I saying that wrong? It's Mariota. So Marcus Mariota on the Tennessee Titans. This is an offense. True. That's right. And I'm having like flashbacks because like legit, this was me last season. I was all on that train. Eric Decker, he was like my boy. He was going to be this red zone monster and they were going to come out and this was the offense to watch. 
And we saw how that went down. But I'm back on the train. I really do think that this is going to happen this year for multiple reasons. One, he just, he would just was never healthy. After week um, four, where he left the game with that hamstring, he just never looked comfortable again. He missed that week five and he came back week six, I think probably a little too soon because it was just a, it was not going well. Let's say that. Um, and he came back and he just never looked the same. He started tweaking his ankle. He started, you know, he wasn't moving in the pocket. And we all know part of his upside is his legs and being able to run with that. And I just didn't, he just didn't look the same. And so he couldn't use his weapons. He was missing people all over. And I think this is the year that they bounce back. So new coaching system, new offensive coordinator, new head coach. And I think they're really going to let him sort of air it out. And I think we've seen success with that. I really think looking at um, Mariota this year is looking at kind of his 2016 and what we saw that year. And I think that's a better indicator of what we're going to see this year. And in that year, he had nine weeks as a QB1. Right now, he's being drafted in the end of the 11th round. Way at the end, he can be, you can get all your skill players and then you can snag him at the end. And I really think between Richard Matthews, Corey Davis and his upside in his second year. He still has the tried and true Delaney Walker. And then he added one of my favorite running backs this season in Deion Lewis. If he can stay healthy, fingers crossed. I really think this offense has the makings of really bouncing back and and showing what what they can do. So I'm all on the Marcus Mariota train. Mariota, see there, I said it wrong already. Um, and huh. you know, he had his career high interceptions last season. He, you know, career low touchdowns at only 13. There's no way he's not going to bounce back and show people what he can do this year. So I'm all, I'm all on that train. Number five offensive line. Let's go Toot toot. Yeah, I love it. Um, he had some really good numbers just a season removed and then kind of had an iffy season dealing with some kind of injuries, pesky. And he, if I remember right, I, I tweeted something out a couple years back that he had a touchdown percentage rating combined with a low interception percentage rating that was equivalent of like one of Tom Brady's best years or something like that. So even though he had lower volume, he was very efficient and he was very, you know, just like steady and consistent and solid. So I, I, I love Mariota. Last year I called him, you know, like my top five quarterback choice I as know, a bold right? prediction <laughs> and it didn't turn out, but uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the post hype value to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I'm surprised I you're was... a Baker Mayfield guy. And then you thought Marcus Mariota was going to be a thing because of the accuracy issues. That's why I didn't like him last year. I didn't like him or Winston. Their accuracy is in the tank. It's bad. And it's been bad. It improved this year, but it still isn't good. So I'm surprised because you're a Mayfield guy that you were like, I also like Mariota. It's intriguing. She can't figure out, Kent. You're intriguing. I can't figure it out. <laughs> she can't. You're an intriguing. You're a man of mystery, Kent. You are. I, uh, I, I, Kenneth. I hide my true feelings. I just say what I want all the time. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm usually just going off the cuff, so that's why I just end up saying a bunch of weird crap all the time. But um, <laughs> I'll swing it over to uh, my my quarterback sleeper choice, the last one of this segment. And he's a guy who I'm pretty excited about. And I know a guy over at our TFA family, Kevin, loves Mr. Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, right now he's uh, you know going in the 14th round. He Again, he's one of those free quarterbacks. I have him ranked as quarterback 19, and now that's that's not really like indicative of I think he ends 19th, but 
you know, there's some upside playing into that rank and like a range of outcomes. So I think there's potential he could end up at that cusp of that quarterback one uh, type of season. And, you know, the Chicago Bears, they brought in Matt Nagy as their, their new head coach, and he's going to be calling plays for them. And I know we talked a little bit about, you know, the Kansas City situation last year and what happened with Alex Smith. Uh, they ended the season seventh in yards, 10th in touchdowns, and second in interceptions, meaning the second fewest. So they were really solid in a passing attack, and they're bringing that into Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky. They have a new, like, entire fleet of weapons. I mean, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and they drafted Anthony Miller in the second round. Uh, they really had to fill out this receiving core, which could last year have best been described as poo-poo. And <laughs> Kid friendly. I like they, it. They, they, they knew that they had to take care of their young quarterback who they invested a significant amount of draft capital in and trading up to get him. So they had to go and take care of him. And I think that with all these situations coming together, Matt Nagy, call and plays, solid passing attack, new weapons. They have the fifth easiest strength of schedule according to Sharp uh, football stats. And then their O-line is, you know, solid. They're ranked 13th, so they're nothing, you know, to really sneeze at. But uh, I think the situation is really great. They said that the training wheels have come off. The, the guard, Kyle Long, said... His little boy is turning into a man. So they got like this whole culture of building this team around their young quarterback. And I love that kind of situation. And I think this is kind of a similar to Jared Goff type of uh, thing going on. And he had an awesome season this last year. So Mitch Trubisky, uh, I love him this year. If I don't take a quarterback until the end of the draft, he's one of those guys I'm going to think about you know, taking a shot on. I'm definitely interested in this one, and I'll say two things. One, I think there's a, a certain strategy to consider, talking about strategy again, where you pair a guy like this or Mariota with a guy like Alex Smith or Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers, who's kind of, they're these boring, steady Eddie guys who you can probably plug in if and when these other guys are tanking or if they have a hard matchup that they can't handle um, like a more vet sort of quarterback could. And if you have the roster space for it, take an upside guy like Trubisky, take a steadier guy, and work between the two of them. So I really like that strategy, which is one of the things I like to see done with Trubisky. And then just another small little fact about Mariota again. The new offensive coordinator of the Bears is Mark Helfrick, and he actually comes from Oregon, where he led... Marcus Mariota to a Heisman winning season and a national championship. Oh, so, look at that. It's all coming yeah, together. So Kent was talking about they're trying to, you know, build around this young quarterback. They took him obviously extremely high in the draft and they want him to succeed. I think that's another sign of that. So I like it. Yeah. I think he's one of those uh, quarterbacks we've been talking about, Eli being another example, um, where we're drafting their weapons really high and we're not drafting the quarterback accordingly. And so he's falling to later in the draft, but A-Rob, um, especially Trey Burton, is shooting up um, in ADP, but yet Trubisky has just stayed right at the end. So he's either going to stay a value or people are going to catch on and bump him up, but definitely there's a mismatch between those two. So I like this call, especially for the upside and kind of like Matt was talking, pairing him or having your eye on him to stream early on in the year if you have room on your bench as a redrafter. Also, also Tariq Cohen. I could throw a pass to Tariq oh, yeah. Cohen in the backfield He'll and he take could off. take it 80 yards yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah. 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 
Well, anyway, all right, let's let's wrap up the quarterbacks and we'll kind of move on to our tight end sleepers here. Uh, we have some good picks there as well. So let's let's swing it back to Brandon. We'll go through the, the same rotation here. Uh, Brandon, talk about a tight end this year who you think will be the least yucky of all of them. <laughs> so you understand that I hate tight ends. They are worse than kickers, statistically speaking, and it's not even close. I won't get into that rant, mm-hmm. but it is true. Yes, uh, we're with you. It, it's bad. It's bad. And, and anyone who says otherwise is not looking at the actual fantasy points produced or the, the actual pro, um, idea that you can project out kickers actually pretty easily. But anyway, that's a different show. <laughs> this show I'm going to talk about uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. Ooh-hoo. And um, I was going to say Gerald Everett. And then I said, no, I think we need to address what happened with Ricky Seals-Jones. And I do believe in Gerald Everett as well. First draft pick for the Sean McVay era. I love Sean McVay. Love him. Love him. Uh, but... Ricky Seals-Jones got arrested for trying to use a restroom at a hotel. He didn't uh, beat up anybody. Um, He didn't threaten anybody. He didn't do uh, illicit drugs. In fact, not even is are drugs or alcohol cited in any of the reasons he was arrested, by the way. So if he was oh, even, I didn't, I didn't know that part. Yeah, no, no, it's it's like uh, it's just like disorderly conduct and mm-hmm. whatever, and it it actually seems very shady. I'm not even quite sure this is even gonna stick, to be entirely frank. Like, really, you tackled a guy for trying to sneak in to go to the bathroom? I raise your hand if you've never tried to sneak into an establishment to use the restroom. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, are you kidding me? This is the lamest reason to get arrested in all of all time. Now, first of all, that's not good. But second of all, who cares? So I'm not going to sit here and do it. And by the way, you can take him again before your kicker. So don't be like, I'm not going to draft him at all. You barely had to draft him anyway. And if he doesn't work out, you drop him. Whatever. It's so not a big deal. But I will talk about the great things about him. He's a converted wide receiver. He is there to catch the ball. He is not there to be a blocker. Although he's not a terrible blocker, so that should be fine. Last year was his rookie season. He had that big game where he kind of exploded and then he kind of went away. But that was because Jermaine Gresham was still there. Jermaine Gresham is a great guy, but he's probably going to start off the season on the pup list. It's going to be Ricky Seals-Jones starting because of Jermaine Gresham's injury. So he's going to have a chance to shine. Not only that, but they brought in a new offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy. And Mike McCoy has uh, had a mm, career and got fired from the Broncos. But to be fair, they didn't have a quarterback and they didn't have a tight end. He always uses a tight end. This is not something that's a mystery here, people, okay? Look at Antonio Gates and the usage that he got under Mike McCoy. I think that this guy is going to get some serious chances. Do I love tight ends? No. Do I like sleeper tight ends? Absolutely not. I am wasting my money on the Zach Ertz and the Rob Gronkowskis of the world. I'm sorry. It's worth every penny. But if I'm going to get someone that's just a flyer at the end, I have almost Ricky Steele's Jones and Gerald Everett in almost every single league that I have. I have so much. And now you can enjoy that fake news discount. Yeah, now he's been arrested for trying to go to the bathroom somewhere. Mm-hmm. By the way, hotels is where you, that's where you go to the bathroom. That and McDonald's. Am I wrong? Like, what? A hundred percent McDonald's. I have done that myself. <laughs> I, think I think that's the point. I think we all have. Yeah, so. And then he got arrested? Tackle, they tackled him. That's actually what I'm most concerned about. How was he tackled by the guy working at the front desk? That. <laughs> He needs to work. There's on. the football news. I feel. I feel like the the dude that tackled him was like, I I want to tackle this football player because this is my only opportunity. So I'm gonna take yeah. full advantage here. Right. Such a weird story. I'm not gonna drop him down to no draft zone because of that. He's already low enough. You guys, right. it's not a big deal. I'm thinking we'll just be able to get it. He his ADP was going up a little. I didn't like it at all. So I'm glad that it's gonna drop a little. Hopefully this will kind of fall away. It it doesn't sound like there's a lot to this and if nfl gives him a violation then we really are in the zone of we have no idea 
what they are going to suspend and what they are not and what the criteria are, right? So, yeah. We never know. It's a giant mystery. Yeah. But anyway, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and swing it over to Okada once again. Okada, tell me about your tight end sleeper. All right. So my guy, you may not have ever heard of. His name is Steven Anderson. Oh, we've heard of him. And he plays, Ooh. well, you guys have heard of him, but the listeners, this guy is deep, okay? I'm going really deep for this one. I kind of wanted to do Ebron, but I talked about him last week with a hot take from the listener. So I'm going with Steven Anderson. You probably don't have to draft him almost anywhere unless you play in a deep league, but I would consider it, and here's why. So he was an undrafted free agent uh, following the 16, 2016 draft, signed by the Texans, and he, now he's 25 years old. So he's had those couple years. We know about the tight end mantra of they take a while to develop. So I think he's hitting that point where he could break out. He's not big. He's 6'2", 230 pounds, which is not big for a tight end. The main knock on him coming out of the draft and kind of the main reason he fell and didn't even get drafted is that he's sort of like an in-betweener between because uh, he's not big enough to be a tight end, but he's kind of too big to be a wide receiver. But he is a good as a pass catcher, very good as a patch catcher and is basically a catch first tight end. Um, he he went, runs pretty good routes, and he's a very, very good athlete. If you look at his player profiler, uh, he's got top-end results on burst, agility, catch radius. His speed is decent. I think he ran a 4.65. Um, so he's got the ability to get off the line quick and to catch balls. Right now he's fighting, quote-unquote, for a starting spot with Ryan Griffin, which is a job I think he can probably win. And if he wins it, I think there's a decent chance... He and Kiki Kuti are cutie. I don't exactly know how to say that. That one's even harder than Mariota. I think it's Kuti. Uh, Mariota. Yeah. Kuti. All right, we'll Mariota. go with that. Ma- Mariota. Mariota. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> By the way, Jen, I meant to say at least you didn't mess it up as bad as Goodell, who said like Mariota. Yeah, or he something. completely oh messed it up. One hundred percent, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, so th- there is a very good chance that he is third in the uh, target share. Behind, obviously, Hopkins and then Fuller. Um, CJ Fedorowicz, who has been there tight end for a few years, retired. So he's gone. And believe it or not, Anderson actually led the team in receptions last year. It was only 25. But, you know, it's a starting point. And he had a few solid outings. He had one game, which some of you may remember, because after this game, he was a huge waiver wire pick in week 13, where he had five catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. So we know he can do it. And we like his quarterback. Maybe not at his draft value, but as a talent. So this the best quarterback they've had, obviously, by far. If he's going to be anywhere close to, this is Deshaun Watson, obviously, where we're drafting him or where people are drafting him, he might need more than just uh, one really, really good wide receiver and one deep threat. And I think Steven Anderson could be that guy. I don't expect him to be a top three tight end or anything like that. He may not have the upside of some of these other guys, but I think he is a guy that could potentially be relied upon. And he's someone that you're just going to pretty much want to watch during the preseason, see how they use him, see if they target him and how well he plays, and think about drafting him really, really, really late, like after your kicker in defense. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, after a kicker in defense, that's that's called free agency. Waivers, I think, I think is what that's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like it. I think he has some like best ball uh, appeal for sure. Uh, in redraft, I'm a little bit more hesitant. Just, but then again, if you're punting tight end, then whatever, you know, just take whatever garbage is left over at the end and and try and work with it. Oh yeah, but, yeah. this is 100 percent a punt pick for sure. Yes. Yeah. 
Right. Streaming tight ends, we do it all the time, right? And redraft, you wait on tight ends. Some of them play out, some of them don't. You're streaming. I mean, outside that top tier, this is what you're doing. So you're going to pick up guys like Anderson during the year. I remember writing about him last year on the waivers and remember watching that that game and thinking, good look, like, I mean, just seeing his ceiling, same thing with RSJ. You, you see what they're capable of. You see if they're used in a certain way, you know, what could happen. And those are the guys you you snag and, and you play on the, those key weeks and they get you the wins, so... I, I'm pretty sure I started him for that that six that reception catch, game or whatever yeah, it was. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I want to say yeah. I want to say I had an injury. What week was that? Was it if that was week thirteen? Week 13. Yes. Zach Ertz got injured. Zach Ertz got injured, and I played Steven Anderson on his you. only good week all year. Look at you. I had to double check that to make sure that lined up. But no, I, I'm extremely lucky, <laughs> I'm and I'm terrible lying. at fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, I, it's I like it, but. All right, let's uh let's go over to uh Betts's uh tight end sleeper. This is a guy who's been getting some steam lately, actually. I like this pick. Yeah, we'll see we'll see how long this guy remains a sleeper. I mean, people are definitely starting to be onto him. Uh this guy that I'm talking about is Vance McDonald, which I know Jen is gonna get pretty excited about here as a Steelers fan. Uh Vance McDonald is a guy who everyone was kind of excited about last year, but in a similar situation as uh Sammy Watkins in Los Angeles, he arrived very late. Um, in Pittsburgh, and he actually arrived in, in August August 29th, so it was very late in the season, uh, the preseason, I should say, before it started. Um, and he had a tough time picking up the offense and, and really getting on the field and staying on the field consistently due to nagging injuries. He had things like a, a bruise in his knee, ankle sprain. He had some low back spasms. So uh, he was kind of in and out a few times, and he never really developed that chemistry with Big Ben. Uh, and I think that that's going to change a lot now that he's healthy going into the season. And he'll have the full training camp uh, to get ready to develop that chemistry with, with Big Ben. Uh, I think that the thing that gets us so excited about Vance McDonald is that the the Steelers, and Jen, maybe you can jump in here too, have been looking for a guy to fill Heath Miller's shoes. Uh, we know that Heath Miller was a guy who was very fantasy relevant for much of his career. Big Ben uses the tight end. Um, it's a position that he's thrown to. And, and just looking back, um, back to 2012 when Heath Miller finished as the tight end four in leagues, uh, they haven't really ever been able to put that together. 2013, Pittsburgh's tight end was tight end 17, then 11, then 17, then 28, and then last year was 22. He doesn't have much in front of him. Jesse James is, is just a guy. He's a jag. And I think Vance McDonald's going to take that starting position away from him this year. And if he does, I think he offers immense upside. He's a very talented player, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Again, he's a free player, so if you're streaming tight ends and if you're totally punting him the position. I don't know if there's a guy that's that late that offers as much upside as, as Vance McDonald does. I mean, anybody that watched Heath Miller and Big Ben and the Steelers knows that the tight end uh, is somebody that he likes to target if he has chemistry with that player. And he just, I mean, you kind of said it better. He just hasn't found it. He hasn't found that magic with a new tight end yet. And I think Juju for, you know, kind of th- that, like he kind of, came in and took up that role of somebody that he could rely on. And if you've watched Big Big Ben play, especially recently, he has to trust you because uh, he, (laughs) I mean, we've all seen it. He throws it and AB is just amazing. And Juju's great, a talent, even Martavis when he was there. Ben's losing a little bit and uh, he kind of throws it out there, throws it up there for his his receivers to, to snag. 
And so he needs a tight end that he has that chemistry with and that trust with. And I'm hoping Vance can stay healthy long enough to gain that that trust. If he doesn't, if he's like misses time in training camp, if he starts getting injured and dropping out, it's not somebody you want to pick up. But if he's there and he can really, he's a really athletic guy. It could be, it could really, we've seen tight end work um, with all the weapons in Pittsburgh still. We've seen this work, especially in the red zone. So I love this pick. I'm picking it up, him up um, late in my drafts all over the place. So. And that's not even to mention what he did last year in that playoff game against Jacksonville, which was amazing. And I started him in DFS that week, which won me a lot of money. Uh, so this might be a little bit of a biased pick from that. So thank you, Vance McDonald, for, for putting some cash in my pocket. But uh, the upside is definitely there, and, and I think it's a little unrealistic to expect that week to week. But uh, we've seen it, and, and we see that he's got that upside. So love Bet- him as a late-round flyer. Bets feels like he owes him. <laughs> so I do think it's intriguing though that in one game he had 10 catches for 112 yards in that divisional playoff round but then his entire season I only had 14 catches for 188 yards and one touchdown so I do think it's still a dart throw I think what I don't like about this is that it's catching on like he's a sure thing and I don't think that's true that I, that's a little too far-fetched for me that that playoff was great but you know what James White's always really good in the playoffs too Excellent point. <laughs> I think what we're saying yeah, is, right, point. he has to stay at his ADP. You, he can't cost you something and you snag him right. and think he's going Mm-mm. to be the plug and play every week. You have to you have to take these guys at what we're saying. They're sleepers. They're, they have the potential for you to grab them either in your draft, probably not, early weeks, waivers. You have them and they go off. You're one week early. You're one week earlier than everybody else in your redraft league. And that is what wins leagues. And so these are these guys, right? So great potential, but yeah, don't count on him. Like you can't, he's not a sure thing. He's not Heath Miller. <laughs> he is not. Heath. Heath. I know. Yeah. He comments <laughs> out there like. <laughs> so Jen, you, uh, you say you're looking for this potential, but your yes. guy actually is kind of a model of consistency. If I'm looking at his numbers here, I mean, he's been pretty much the same thing for the last, you know, eight or so years, eight, nine years. So tell, tell me why you picked your pick for this tight end sleeper. The funniest thing is I almost don't see him consistent in the way of what I want him to be, um, in the way of a, a guy that I haven't ranked him as my number 11 tight end. That's what I mean. Like when I say of consistency, oh I know, I know. And this is, this is even hot take week. What are we doing here? But anyway, so my pick is Jared Cook, Oakland Raiders. I do have him as my number 11 tight end. Half PPR, though. Give me that. Because this guy got 91 targets. I was even a little bit surprised when I started looking it up. Because I'm a, I'm a wait on my tight end gal. And I've been getting myself caught late in, um, late in drafts, best ball and otherwise, of, okay, what are the tight ends that have this upside? And so these are guys that everybody we're talking about are guys that I have on my teams. And Jared Cook is somebody that keeps coming around that I feel like he has a decent floor, but I really like his upside this year. I'm hoping this is the year that he's actually less boomer bust and more consistent. For example, last season, he had six weeks as a tight end one, and that's five of them finishing. Five finishes, I think, in the top. One, two. So two finishes in the top three, and then three more in the top ten. I mean, this guy, this guy has shown his ceiling 
right? But then the rest of the season, I mean, you have finishes like 24th, 24th, 30th, etc. And so he just really hasn't, he's getting the targets, but he's not really like coming to his full potential. So Crabtree's gone this year. So that vacates the 108 targets. I know everybody's saying, well, they added Jordan, they added Bryant. Well, P.S., who knows what's going to happen with Bryant? And all the legal, what have you, I'm just, I don't, I can't count on him. So I can't count on the fact that he's going to be there and take away targets. So I'm looking at what they're going to have. They're going to have Amari Cooper. He got 100 targets. He might steal a little bit of those and go a little bit above 100 targets this year. But that's what he got last year. So Crabtree, you know, those 108 targets, I think they're going to go a little bit to Jordy, who may or may not be past his prime. I love you, Jordy, but it's the truth. Getting up there, you're losing your speed. So for me, a guy that Carr can rely on, that he can make these passes, get some completions, get the get the ball rolling, get the first downs, that's where I think Cook is really going to come into play. So for me, this season, if you're going to pay – I mean, he's going – 13th round this this is this is a guy that isn't nothing in your draft capital he's a little bit of something but I think he has the potential to be a tight end one for you I'm gonna go the majority of weeks this year he has the potential for that so he isn't quite what I'm saying with streaming he's a guy that I'm hoping you might be able to actually play him from week to week if Oakland uses him the way I'm hoping that they will I think one of the most interesting things maybe about Cook is what's going to happen with the red zone targets. I don't know. That's 19% awesome. last year, right? So. Yeah, Crabtree was the Where's guy. Carr does not like Amari in the red zone for some reason. So uh, I think a lot of it is expected to maybe go Jordy Nelson's way, but I don't know how I feel about that. I think Jordy's touchdowns are largely probably elevated by playing with one of the best. Not the best, because we all know who that is. Oh, <laughs> Brady. stop it. Quarterbacks stop of it. all time. So I think there's a decent chance that Jared Cook so- uh, soaks up some of that red zone action. So that that could really make a difference as far as giving him the upside. I have a little baby thing to add. One, you really don't know why they don't target Amari Cooper in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not good. He's not good. <laughs> Two, uh, I, every year I lament that I have to discuss Jared Cook. Uh, <laughs> I know. I do. Every year <laughs> I say, do he's we not have exciting. to do this again? Me too. Every year. But I needed a sleeper. And but you did it early, so it's over for you. See? You're good. Okay. It, Checked it off. I'm yeah. dead. It's closing Cook, time everybody. at the bar. <laughs> yeah. Jared Cook's standing over there. You're like, I'm lonely. I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Let's just He's do this and get it ball, over with. Right? Like, hey, <laughs> I look better than Austin Hooper, don't I? Hey, hey, draft me. I'll give you that, Jared. I'll right? give you that. <laughs> I know. Well, we, that's that's how we talk about our tight ends. hey oh, anyway. Oh, Ah, uh, okay. This this is what I talk about. I can't just talk because then I'll just say stuff like that. But um, I'll go ahead and wrap up the show, uh, or at least wrap up the tight end sleeper segment with my guy. And I'm going to talk about Mr. David Njoku. He's got an N and a J written next to each other, and I hate pronouncing it. But uh, he's oh really? Going- I love pronouncing it. It's fun. Njoku. Njoku. This is high level analysis, folks. Um, <laughs> no, he's he's being drafted as the tight end 13, which is in the 12th round, which goes to show you that, you know, tight ends are just cluttered in the back half of your draft. So you might as well be waiting if you miss out on top ones. But I have him ranked as tight end 12 for this year. And, you know, last season. He had a good rookie year. You know, it, for a tight end, it, it it's kind of rough, and it's not anything worth playing it, unless you're in, like, DFS. But 
I think he's ready to step up his game, and I think the Cleveland Browns are ready for him to step up his game. Uh, I, you know, technically he got outproduced by Seth DeValve. If you want to be real technical, I mean, Njoku had more touchdowns, but uh, Valve had more receptions and yards, so it's kind of a wash. But uh, Seth DeValve is a guy who they took in the fourth round a couple years ago, and obviously if they didn't like him, so they took another tight end of the first round the following year. So I think it's time for Njoki to step up into this offense and, and carve out his role. You know, he had four touchdowns. I bet he builds on that. I don't think there's any way that, well, there's a way it goes down, but I, I think it's likely that that goes up. Uh, this dude is an extreme athlete. He's a 97th percentile spark guy, and he showed that he can translate that into the NFL pace uh, offense. So I have no concerns about his pass catching ability uh, coming up to speed. You know, his catch percentage was a little low for what you expect, but so was DeValves and pretty much everyone on that team because they had, you know, just like a broken jugs machine throwing the football last year. And uh, now that they have, you know, I mean, you, you guys say Tyrod, but I like Baker. Now that they have one of the best intermediate passers of college history, I think it's awesome that he can step in and be the guy that connects immediately with David Joku and causes him to step his game up. So I did look at first year tight ends, or excuse me, first round draft pick tight ends in their second year. And the average for that in the last 17 years, 17 seasons, is 75 targets, 48 receptions, 525 yards, and four and a half touchdowns. So, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, bad looking at it, but. It's uh that's that's uh, that's tight end twelve numbers. I mean that's that's a tight yeah, end that's one. That's not that bad. It's not that bad for a tight end. So you take that and if he's already got four touchdowns in his rookie season, uh and that red zone work goes up and you know, I mean Jarvis Landry they got, but he's never been much of a red zone option. Josh Gordon has his own concerns. DeValve, I think, is a nothing as far as that. I think there's a lot of uh red zone opportunity for Njoku this year. So I'm excited. I'm drafting him all over the place actually. Yeah, it's a hundred percent about the red zone for me with Njoku. I like him too. And I mean, you look at last year's finishes for tight ends, and I just pulled it up really quick. Number eleven tight end, so a tight end one was Tyler Croft Yuck. with forty-two receptions and seven touchdowns, and Cameron Brait had forty-eight and six. So it does not take a lot of volume to break into the in tight end one range if you can get those touchdowns, and that's certainly where Njoku could make his I was money. I just gonna say, you know who ended at tight end twelve last season? Titan. Jared, Jared Cook. Jared anyway. Cook. Hey. So I know. I know, right? Much um, to Brandon's chagrin. <laughs> Ken, I'm just I'm I, I'm with you because you get to this range, right? And this is where I'm looking. I'm looking at him, I'm looking at Jared Cook, I'm looking at you know, right? And I just don't know where he's gonna get the targets. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's in the red zone, maybe things happen with Gordon. Landry's just over the middle of course now they're moving into the outside, which doesn't make any sense. Um I just I'm I'm too confused by the Browns offense and how that's going to get divided to be as confident I think as you guys are in him. I I love his athletic ability. I just Yeah, I can't go all in on all the offensive weapons on the Browns like everyone. Like h- how do you go all in on all of them? You you just can't. And so for me, unless somebody says Tyrod is loves his tight end and that's who he's going to target over and over and over again, I don't know if I'm going to be all on that train. Do uh do we have which he did last do, year actually did he I was gonna say he, does Charles like, Clay. he did like Charles Clay Charles Clay was a thing and so I agree Ken. I mean we've been back and forth Baker and Tyrod and who's gonna be the guy in 2018 but for Njoku I don't think it really matters to be honest Clay was all um, he had both, 
Clay was all he had. Yes, that's true. You can't say you don't think that he targets tight ends. Kelly yes, Benjamin's but now, good, now he's he been out. conditioned. No, he was <laughs> out. He has been Hold trained to throw Just it to the tight end. Kidding, guys. But he was not there. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was it for our quarterback and tight end sleepers. Thank you for all those great options. And Brandon, thank you for joining us here on the show today. Uh, real quick before we head out, uh, how about you go ahead and let the listeners know where they can find you, uh, what outlets you have this season as far as your uh, fantasy work? Yeah, well, you can always find uh, me and all of my work reposted and whatnot on Twitter. You can follow me at Brandon, her FFB. I am doing videos over at Fantasy Alarm. I'm definitely part of the Fantasy Alarm family where we are doing live feeds every Thursday night. And then once the season starts, we also do Sunday mornings, uh, which is where I take the majority of questions. Because the season gets so crazy with questions. Like I, I always feel really rude, but like I'm on air on Sunday mornings. So I don't get to your questions. I'm a jerk. But anyway, I will get to them live. And then uh, you can also find me... Um, on SiriusXM and then also on uh, Sportsline, uh, part of CBS Sports. Awesome. Sounds good. We'll be looking out for uh, all your awesome content this year. And, uh, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you once again for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, and, and for smacking Kent around. Yeah, I liked it. We like to I, I need it. Let's be real. <laughs> I need I need to be put in my place, so it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> they told me ahead of time I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> understandable. <Get> it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, and then uh, once again, before we roll out, a reminder to leave us those reviews on iTunes or wherever else you can leave us a review. Send us a PM on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod or send us an email, RedShirtsPod at gmail.com. And uh, another special announcement before we roll out today, the Than- the Fantasy Authority is looking for writers. We want writers who want to do redraft or DFS writing this season in the fantasy sports industry. So if you want to jump into that exciting field and do what uh, most of us have done here, go ahead and email thefantasyauthority1 at gmail.com and uh, go ahead and submit maybe an example of your work if you've written something before or maybe write something up that you'd be interested in. Uh, Let us know and we'll reach out to you after we get that email. So uh, looking for writers. But that's all we have for today. We had some awesome sleepers. We had an awesome guest. We had an awesome show. So thank you, everyone. And once again, we are the Red Shirts.